Let's stand real quick. Wayne, come on up. We're going to get an abbreviated version of what Wayne was going to do, and then we're going to take the last few minutes of uh, his time with Jay Cameron, because what Wayne's doing is very related. So, Wayne, let's cue those videos up that Wayne's going to want. Yeah, so um, I'll click through this, the slides because I will speak to, to a couple of the slides, so I'll, I'll, I know where the video is. Yeah. Yep. Yes, so you can stand if you want. I'm just going to float through some of this information and put an hour presentation into 15 minutes. And uh, if you're around for any of the other portions of the things going on this week, you can hear a more complete presentation. Oh, I'm not going to tell them that because I'm going to talk to you again. Um, <clears throat> I found what uh, Jay Cameron had to say um, was uh, spot on as it relates to some of the other information that I'm sharing with you this afternoon. And a, I think this is a divine appointment because we have been chasing Jay down for a project that we're working on. We keep going back and forth with each other about where each, where each other is going to be and it just so happened he was here and I didn't even know he was going to be here. So uh, I want to talk to you about um, conversion therapy in particular, I don't, let's see, is the green button the advance? Or the, oh, the big, okay. All right. Things that are pertinent to today, um, I'll skip over a few things here. I jumped into ministry um, after um, baptism because nobody else was speaking on this except for uh, Ron Woolsey. Um, there's been a great deal of silence in the church. There still is today. Um, I have been a little concerned about some of the resources not given today that reside in uh, coming out ministries and people that have written books and people that speak within our own denomination. You don't even have to go too far to get a redemptive message. Um, I will say this. Um, when I came back into the church, I heard this term conversion therapy, and I also heard this term sexual orientation. And I, didn't, I wasn't familiar with either one, but I had bought into the lie about conversion therapy, believing that great harm was being done to people. The LGBT community was professing the idea that aversive techniques are done, things like shock therapy, uh, needle poking into, under people's nails, immersion into ice cold baths and those kinds of things, and I believed that, and that they were trying to take gay people and make them heterosexual. And uh, I'll be real quick on this. In all the research that I've done in two years, and it's been intensive research, I have yet to find anybody who has gone to a um, psychologist, a Christian psychologist, who is forcing them to become heterosexual. Christian psychologists are interested in talking to people to help them meet their goals of what they want through Jesus Christ. If opposite sex attraction is included in that, they are there to help you, give you some ideas. But that is, it is not in any way um, in the way that the LGBT community makes that look.
The term conversion therapy was introduced uh, to psychology in 1990. Uh, I want to read this to you. Should I get there with the, my computer? The term conversion therapy was first used by an American psychologist and activist who opposed and continues to oppose change-allowing therapy. First of all, who comes to Jesus Christ and doesn't experience change? Change is what it's all about as we walk with Jesus each and every day. This was Dr. Uh, Douglas Hadleman in 1991. Citing this ill-defined ideology inspired the phrase, inspired phrase, legislative bans on so-called conversion therapy imposed restrictions, fines, and criminal charges on any provider of standard psychotherapeutic and counseling approaches and pastoral care workers who offer help to individuals voluntarily seeking support with undesired same-sex attraction, feelings, and gender confusion. Conversion therapy is now banned in 25 countries around the world. Conversion therapy now includes praying for somebody who identifies as LGBT. In Canada, you can go to jail for five years. In Victoria, Australia, you can go to prison for 10 years. In Norway, you can go to prison for eight years simply for praying for someone who is LGBT. The criminal, uh, criminalization of conversion therapy or talk therapy has taken place in 22 states of the United States, Michigan just becoming the 22nd state. Um, in other words, if somebody is nine years old, uh, molested by uh, someone and feels like now that uh, she's 11 years old, that she's male instead of female, and she's had traumatic experience and she needs to talk to someone, it would be criminal for her to go and have that counseling take place. Um, thankfully, Andrew Rodriguez was here yesterday and gave you a lot of insight about the Christian mental health um, counseling that is done today. And so, it was in 1972 uh, that um, gay activists and a, an anonymous psychologist came before the Board of American Psychologists, not putting forward to them um, any medical reasons to pull uh, homosexuality out of the di diagnostic statistical manual, but to put um, gay pressure on, um, on the board um, to remove uh, homosexuality from the DSM. And so um, what happened then was uh, here in modern times the Trevor Project came about uh, with someone by the name of Sam Brenton being their main speaker. Sam Brenton has been in the news, some of you may have known. Uh, he was the voice for the Trevor Project uh, and then the Biden administration hired him to be their nuclear waste expert and then he started um, stealing women's fashion clothes uh, off of conveyor, conveyor belts uh, at airports, and so his um, time in the White House was fairly limited. 
they also found that uh, the lies that he was telling uh, about his uh, childhood as it related to his own experience in uh, experiencing conversion therapy. His parents finally came out and said that all these claims about him going to the emergency room um, were untrue because there would be reports um, in the, from, from his visits to the emergency room and there are none. So he has been an effective voice um, on the, the conversion therapy issue, but now the right is beginning to wake up. When I found that um, prayer, praying for somebody, was going to be criminalized, I, I didn't think that any um, Christian organization could remain silent, let alone the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And so I said, Lord, if it would be your will, I would like to make a film to expose the truth to people as it relates to conversion therapy. This film is not a Seventh-day Adventist film. This is a multi-denominational film, and we have been around the world in the last 15 months uh, interviewing people that have been accused of conversion therapy, people have, who have left the LGBT community, pastors, attorneys, um, and we're not done, but we need $150,000 to finish this film. I hope that you will be impressed by what you see and find it as an evangelic, evangelical to, tool in order to reach others. Uh, there are two goals in this film. One is to expose the false LGBT narrative, and secondly, it is a tool in which the LGBT, key, LGBT community could come into the realization that Jesus has something special to offer them a new identity, a love relationship, more than they could ever have expected on this earth. So I hope that you will um, enjoy this first little clip that I have to share with you. Some fundamentalist churches still actively preach homosexuality is a sin, and they think a bizarre mix of prayer and threat is the way to fix it. This morning, the Supreme Court recognized that the Constitution guarantees marriage equality by offering to all loving same-sex couples the dignity of marriage across this great land. This is contrary to God's created order. Is homosexuality a choice? Can religion steer young people away from that choice? My message to all the young people, just be you. Trans rights are human rights, no matter what your gender, identity, sexual orientation, or anything else. My name is Javier Gomez. I use he, him pronouns. I'm 18-year-old, proud, gay. I think we have more LGBTQ plus people than any administration or every administration combined. So I grew up in the 80s, and I had never heard of the LGBT movement. I grew up in the Presbyterian Church, and I met a young woman there who captivated me. She and I became very, very close, and she was one of the guiding factors in leading me to question my sexuality. I grew up with my mom, and I got into the same things that she loved, which was fashion, hair, arts, creativity, music. But also, growing up without a father, it kind of left me, uh, you know, not necessarily having the stereotypical identity as a man. The night with my roommate in a boarding academy, and our wrestling turned into my first um, sexual experience. And for me, it was 
the reality that I was gay, that I was a faggot, that I was, you know, a homo. I was supposed to get married in August 1985. I was to walk down the aisle, and that day would never happen because I wind up sleeping with the woman. I was totally in bondage. I had no idea how to get out of it. Texas Republicans recently endorsed a therapy that purports to turn gay people straight. It's known as reparative or gay conversion therapy. Keep it honest, there's really no scientific evidence it works. Conversion therapy is a phrase that's been hijacked by the left in America to stop people from leaving the LGBTQ lifestyle and that change is possible. The American Medical Association defines conversion therapy as any form of intervention that attempts to change someone's sexual orientation or behaviors. The LGBT community is being used to promote a social agenda whereby any government can go in and restrict thought, restrict behavior, restrict speech, even restrict freedoms of conscience. Conversion therapy is the dangerous and discredited idea that you can change someone's sexual orientation or gender identity. And if conversion therapy existed, where's the police report file for these atrocities done to a human, to a male or a female, there are none. Where is the malpractice suit against the doctor, against the counselor, against the psychiatrist, the psychologist? I don't know of any pastor using any kind of conversion therapy holdover techniques. As a matter of fact, I don't think most pastors even understand what they are. I think the activists have done an awesome job of pushing one ideology and elevating that ideology to be actually more powerful than our religious freedom in America. There are certain things you cannot say, like change in their gender identity politics is not acceptable. Then the question becomes, is there room for free speech? All that's at stake is civilization, happiness, functionality of families. It's a big deal. Much like the film Journey Interrupted, this film has been possible due to a handful of donors. And there I find that many people that don't want to be associated with something like this, um, I'm not sure exactly why. I think that as our religious freedoms uh, become more in the spotlight, you have to make a decision about your willing, what you're willing to be persecuted for. Um, persecution is actually taking place over this issue today. Um, I would like to say this. Um, I think it's important. I have a lot to say, and I, I usually try to, to put a little padding around it, but I'm going to be very forthright and very honest with you. Some of you are aware of some statements that have been made uh, in August from our denomination as it relates to uh, where we are. Uh, does, the, does the General Conference agree with the North American Division on the LGBT issue? And the answer was unequivocally, absolutely yes. And I would say the answer unequivocally is absolutely no. Because they wouldn't have produced a book that says that you call people by the pronouns they wish to be called by, that you must attend gay weddings, that you must um, be receptive and acceptive and affirmative of your LGBT son or daughter. Now don't get me wrong. We need to love, we need to wrap our arms around people. In fact, if I had a lot more time, I would tell you ways in which we can embrace people that are identifying as LGBT because it is more than, than the truth that they need to know. They need to know the love of Jesus Christ. 
and they need to know that love through you and through me, and there needs not be any compromise in the process. But we can't seem how to figure that out, and we don't even know how to do that to other people that don't identify as LGBT. When I was baptized and I came back to Jesus Christ, my past followed me in the sense that sin has damage that it does in somebody's life. The pastors are not equipped to sit down and help somebody to get rid of some of the, the, the things that have marred the, the scars that are left on us from the LGBT community, and mine was pretty intense. 12 years of male prostitution. And so today, through people like Andrew Rodriguez, and I shared with you that I'm a client today of his, I want more than what, I, it's more than renouncing, it's more about rebuilding in Jesus Christ. And so there is another message than the message that is being shown through the Guiding Families book. Sorry, I can't click this fast enough. <laughs> In deciding to make the film, and uh, it, it became possible for me to, to uh, begin uh, filming, um, about that time, what came to my attention was a young man uh, in his 30s in Malta. Uh, his name is Matthew Greck. Um, as I mentioned, there are conversion therapy laws in 25 countries around the world. One that was initiated uh, and spurred on in 2016 by Barack Obama, who visited Malta, helping to put that conversion therapy law in place. Matthew Greck um, shared his uh, testimony, and in January, a case was brought against him by somebody who felt that they were um, offended by what he had to say. Um, she went to the police and she said, I just watched this video presentation and I am offended and um, this is in breach of our conversion therapy laws. Um, and so they brought charges against Matthew Greck simply for sharing his testimony. And so here's the second trailer to the film. How much do you value your freedom? Imagine facing prison time simply for telling someone about something that changed your life. In this first case of its kind, Matthew Greck is on trial. This is a landmark case. This is the first case around the world as it relates to criminalizing what is so-called conversion therapy, of which nobody can really find a definition for. As a Christian, I would have to say, Jesus makes us free indeed. Amen. But that doesn't mean that other people can't make progress and find freedom. We have a clear conscience here because we stood with the Word of God. How are you feeling? I'm feeling excited and prepared. I think God has graced us with a strong legal team who Amen. cares about justice and truth. The plaintiff in this case is stating that the suggestion of somebody living differently than how they feel is what is considered conversion therapy. The Word of God set me free. The Word of the Truth set me free. Jesus set me free. I uh, left LGBT culture and uh, homosexual lifestyle when I was 19 years of age. If it wasn't for the Word of God, I would not be where I am today. I would not have this joy, this mental health and peace uh, that I enjoy today. And what we are fighting is government-mandated sexual identity. I get invited by this liberal 
uh, platform called PM News Malt. I was asked, can you share with us about gay therapy? A few weeks after, I am told that I must show up to the police station because three people reported me and the presenters to the police. He decided to press charges against me and against the presenters. This has been taken to a level of LGBT militant activism. Uh, why are governments getting involved in this? This is not the domain of governments. But you know what? The Bible says, count it all joy when you suffer trials. Mm -hmm. Considering what's happened to Matthew Greck, I see that Christians are coming under intimidation and governmental prosecution. So I went to Belfast, Ireland to talk with Dr. Mike Davidson, co-founder and chair of the International Federation for Therapeutic Counseling Choice. Hey, Hi. Welcome. Thank you. Let Good me to take see your jacket. You. Dr. Davidson, thank you so much for taking this opportunity to sit down and have a conversation. You're very welcome. Thank you for coming. I'm very grateful. Every human being should have the right to follow through on the trajectory that they want to go on. And they sh it should not be politicians and much less psychotherapists or counselors who shut them down. If I pray with somebody, um, about their life and their sexuality, suggesting that they might surrender that to Christ and live differently than how they feel. That's considered to be conversion therapy. I can't get away from this term. You know, the very thing that Christianity has been criticized for about receiving the Word of God, this is exactly what we now see functioning in society where we're being told to believe a certain set of values. People want the truth, Wayne. Conversion therapy is based on an ideological perspective that says that sexual orientation is immutable and fixed and cannot be changed. And um, if, we, if I accept that basic premise, I believe I'm not accepting the truth about somebody's true condition, which is much deeper than the orientation is that my condition is a fallen human being. And uh, I think it'd be wise to you know, just recognize that people have experienced trauma. Acceptance is often um, a polite way of saying, I simply don't care about you. I don't care about what happens to you today. I don't care about what is a blessing for you in life. And I certainly don't care about your eternal life enough to tell you the truth of God's will for your life. At the end of the day, they want to experience peace in their hearts. And that is what God promises to do for all people. The third hearing for Matthew Greck is just a few days away, and still Matthew has not been heard for. There are 22 witnesses uh, pinned against him on this case. He faces, if convicted, five months in prison, and in a uh, 5,000 euro fine. Um, out of all the countries, this is probably one of the lowest penalties because uh, in other places, um, it's like five years and 10 years. So Matthew said to me, he said, if I go to prison, 
there'll be a lot of singing and a lot of witnessing. He's very calm. He's very assured. He's very dedicated to Jesus Christ. In my experiences um, around the world in talking to people on this topic, I have found that, um, and I almost said it the other, uh, the other night, um, um, or actually when I introduced Andrew, I wanted to say, uh, it's just been brought to my attention that Seventh-day Adventists are not going to be the only people in heaven. <laughs> I think we really need to wake up. Now, I know that we need to have wisdom and discernment, as I even mentioned earlier today, with what you read, what you're listening to, who you're talking to. But if you're living close to Jesus Christ, he will give you that discernment. And we need to reach out and we need to be unified together, especially on things like this, the, the redemption of somebody's life. And so, Jay, if you would come uh, wherever you are and join me here uh, for... One comment. Yep, yep. All right. One, uh, let's make it one question. <laughs> so uh, is there a microphone out in the... F oh, all right. If somebody wants it. Yeah. Anyone with a burning desire to ask a question either of myself or of Jay? For me, the most important question is um, about our universities, colleges, schools. Um, is there a reason, uh, maybe like a legal reason, why uh, colleges do not allow coming out ministries and institutions like this to go and uh, present to the students the reality? Um, would a school lose the financial support of the state? What be the consequence? Or would a school be closed because they would invite an institution like that? Um, so what is the legal perspective, perspective to that? I can't speak for the people who have deplatformed coming out ministries. I did hear about an incident up in Canada where you guys were disinvited. Um, but the bottom line is that people are afraid. People are afraid of activists, they're afraid of controversy, and the corollary of that thought is that, uh, is, is just what, uh, what Pastor Vine said in that clip. It's, it's the idea that the person who Christ has bought is a secondary consideration to the financial or the popular uh, uh, success of a particular institution. The bottom line is, is that Jesus has bought humanity. He did not buy a section of humanity. The gospel is not for us and not for a certain segment. Jesus wants to convert us all. And the purpose of the gospel is to recreate us. And that includes everybody. And so there's the, the um, but this narrative is, is scary for institutions because they're afraid of what the activists will do. I, I know somebody, she's a world-renowned feminist, and she was asked to speak at a library event uh, talking about how men cannot become women. And the response in the community was visceral, and hundreds of people gathered in the streets, and they, were, they held signs that said, death to turfs, uh, trans-exclusionary radical feminists, and they had a cardboard guillotine in the streets, and they were chanting, and it was, it was scary. 
And so our institutions see that sort of thing and they say, we can't have you guys come here and, and, and present. And that, that's the honest answer. Mm -hmm. 